crude laboratory in the basement of his home. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Today we have what will hopefully be a tremendous episode with you. When I do these solo episodes, I never actually know if they're going to be good or bad, but um, I'd like to think it's going to be tremendous. So we're going to talk about a couple experiences that I've had, um, a little bit about Rogue, what's going on in terms of how it kind of relates to those experiences, Um, quick story of how it all relates back to Blockbuster, Netflix, and what we as an independent insurance industry need to be thinking about as we move into the future. Lately, I've been asked um, to talk about kind of where the puck is going. What What does the agency of the future look like? Um, which is a common topic, I guess you could say. Um, not so common for me in that it is not often what I am asked to speak about. Most people just want to hear about like inbound lead generation. Um, but uh, building out Rogue has kind of given me a PhD in um, building the agency of the future. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about how all these stories relate to that. So this is going to be a quick, punchy episode, mostly because... It's 11.40 a.m. on a Friday, and I have a noon call, so um, we're going to be fast and furious today, but I think that's fine because everything I want to share is fairly tightly packed, and I just want to get this out, get it in front of you, because it's kind of thoughts that have been on my head, um, and I want to share them with you. So uh, before we get there, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, Rogue in particular, and the key or the key, the, uh, the specifically what I want to talk to you about is um, uh, we're hiring. We are hiring a lot. We are moving into kind of Rogue 2.5, you could say, where um, you know Rogue 1 was really just me and a couple of my core employees um, that have been with me for a while. I'll say Rogue 2.0 is the immediate post-acquisition version of Rogue where we you know, kind of ramped up our producer force, hired a couple more uh, CSAs and some supporting people and um, kind of started to prove out the model, our select and premier model and, and what that looks like. Um, you know, we just had a month where we did almost 2 million in premium production. Um, so I'd like to believe that while I don't think right now every month will be that big, we'll probably be a little choppy. There'll be some volatility as we bounce around in, in that range. But there is no doubt that the rogue model is proving to be effective, to be efficient, and to be something that uh, can be duplicated by those with the vision and guts to do so. And much of my mission uh, beyond my role as CEO of Just Rogue uh, and the larger SIA ecosystem is to help SIA members and independent agencies um, see what we're doing, understand what we're doing, and potentially be able to implement that through different technology solutions, processes, uh, cultural um, uh, uh, cultural uh, aspects of company culture, strategy, all that kind of stuff. And you know, one of the things that just kind of keeps coming back to my mind is this idea that efficiency isn't always the answer. It's not efficiency isn't always the answer. And it's a big part of this of the human optimized concept, right? You need humans. For your business to retain. Now, granted, you can listen to every D to C VC backed insuretech a hole who tells you that you don't need humans to sell insurance. And and frankly, outside of maybe more robust middle market, I think that's probably true. You do not need humans to sell small business and personal lines. You just don't. However, you need humans to retain that business. 
And if you want to retain that business, it starts by having humans involved in the sale. So if you're just looking to build a company uh, and spin it off to you know some large enterprise like what Travelers did with Simply Business or whatever, then go get some VC money, hammer out some process where you spend a whole bunch on paid ads and um, you know lead flow and then have a non-human based sales process where you just pound that business through and regardless of how efficient or inefficient it is you're you know you're just ringing that cash register in a new business and then the best part is you won't have to prove out any of your retention numbers by the time some unsuspecting middle mark middle executive at some large company who's looking to make a name for themselves comes in and makes you an offer and buys you and everything's great except that's not the business that any of us are running nor is it the business that any of you listening to this podcast want to run right you care about your customers, but you do need to grow because carriers are putting more pressure on agencies that aren't growing. There's a whole uh, cultural concept uh, or cultural conversation that's happening in the ecosystem right now around growth versus lifestyle agencies and the amount of resources you put into growth-based agencies versus the amount of resources you put in lifestyle-based agencies and what that means and how do you trigger them. And you may not even heard that terminology, but I'm telling you it's happening behind the scenes with carriers and all kinds of different organizations. And if you're a lifestyle agency, as much as it is absolutely your prerogative and right, specifically as an American, to do that, you're not going to get the attention and resources that you may have gotten because you're not adding value back to the ecosystem in terms of growth. It doesn't mean you should do anything different. Just be aware that that's coming. So in order to get um, business on the books that sticks, that allows you to grow, to get that exponential growth that's possible by marrying um, the, the new business, the the streamline new business opportunities that exist in the market with real humans who build real connections with your customers that ultimately get that business contained, um, um, to retain, sorry, you need to build a human optimized business. So we are hiring at Rogue because that is our mission. You know, I like to believe I coined the phrase in our industry of human optimized and that's what we're doing every single day. So we're hiring and we're hiring a lot. And if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're looking for the next big challenge in your career. You want to come into to a fast growing business with a with a that's trying to do big things. I mean, look, like I've said this before, I'll say it again. Like I operate every day with a chip on my shoulder. There are a bunch of people in this industry who gave me a whole lot of shit early on for things that I said, for things that I uh, supported, for concepts that I spread and and talked about and had conversations around because they said it couldn't be done. They said I didn't know what I was talking about. You know, that, trust me, I know every a-hole in the industry who wrote what has he done next to some comment on, or, you know, as a comment next to some piece of content that I shared. And I carry that chip every day because I know there is a way and I'm seeing it in Rogue day in, day out to build a human-based business that can also grow at scale and has incredible service and incredible relationship with their customers. Are we perfect today? Absolutely not. But we're getting better every day and that's the key. And I'm not afraid to fail and the company culture we built is that we're not afraid to fail. We try things, we go down paths and then sometimes we have to back out and you know what, I don't care. And in order to get there, in order to try more paths, in order to bring more insights into our company, we need great people to do that, and that's what we're looking to hire. So a couple positions. Uh, I need a chief revenue officer, someone who is going to sit. This is going to be an experienced person, someone with who is – I don't need another visionary 
in this company. I need someone who can look at what we have going on and be a true integrator, get their hands into every revenue generating opportunity that we have in this in this business, manage that process, manage the people and grow top line revenue across all, across the entire spectrum of, of um, revenue streams at Rogue Risk. Um, this it's a big position. It's one of the most important positions in the company in terms of long-term growth and and success. And uh, we're looking for that position. Um, we're looking for that position today. So if you think that's you, reach out. I would love to talk to you. If you haven't done the work before, if you are gonna come, you know, if you're a visionary type person, if you don't like to roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty, if you don't want to get into reports, if you don't want to get into nitty gritty process, this position is not for you. Please do not contact me if you're a visionary. I don't need another visionary. We have more ideas than we know what to do with. We have more opportunities than we know what to do with. I need someone who can take those ideas and opportunities that we select and turn them into into streams of gold. That's that's what we're looking for. So we need a chief revenue officer. <clears throat> the other big position that we need is a head of insurance sales. So specifically, someone who can sit over the top of our premier and inbound um, sales teams specifically and manage those teams, carriers, underwriters, um, you know, questioning, uh, lead flow, uh, just what it takes to be a manager. I don't need a good producer. I don't need someone who knows how to produce in that position. I need someone who's good at managing producers. Someone who, again, I don't need a visionary in this position. I need someone who likes to get shit done, who like looks at processes and looks at, you know, building culture and supporting producers and and beating the crap out of underwriters and carriers who like to give a shit. Like, I need that person um, to sit over the top of our insurance sales. They're gonna report into the chief revenue officer um, and, and also be part of the leadership team, but but I need that person on our team to manage our insurance sales. So uh, if you think that's you, reach out. We are also hiring a ton of producers and, and we call them CSAs, Client Success Associates. Um, so if you're a CSA, if you're a producer and you're looking for uh, a new opportunity, if you want, if you're willing to buy into the way we do business and you're looking to grow your career and be part of something special, um, we would love to talk to you. This is not for everybody. If you are a traditional agent, this is not a position for you um, because you most likely will come in, not understand what we're doing and not like the way that we do it. However, if you like to sell, if you like to build relationships, if you like to solve problems, if you have a an open mind to a slightly different way, I mean, it's not like we're doing everything different, a slightly different way of handling business, a more virtual way, um, a more streamlined way of doing business while still providing the same insights and expertise that, that classically independent agents are valued for, then we absolutely positively would love to talk to you. Whether you're focused on service or you're focused on sales, um, please reach out. We have a few other positions that we'll be posting, but for now, those are the big ones. And guys, I just wanted to get those opportunities in front of you because we're always looking for amazing people. Um, you know, we, we, we tend to recruit amazing people and find find out where they fit best in the organization versus just finding someone that checks a bunch of boxes but maybe doesn't fit culturally or doesn't fit into what we're trying to do. Our, our culture is very, very important to us here at Rogue and um, you know we don't, we don't like to mess with it. And if you mess with our culture, you, you don't last very long. Um, I don't mean to be so draconian, but uh, it's just the way that it is. I've realized very quickly here over the last two and a half years that culture is, is really it's one of the key pillars to your business. And if you're not focused on culture, then it doesn't matter. So 
uh, or, or none of the other stuff matters because it ends up creating more problems and more issues and lack of efficiency in your business. So um, I called this episode Efficiency Isn't the Answer because I want to tell you a quick story with the remaining time that we have around um, an experience I recently had purchasing a vehicle uh, with Carvana. So I, for the last three years, have driven a Ford F-150, a 2016. It's a XLT, so fairly straightforward, kind of slightly better than base model, but nothing fancy. Um, Ford F-150, silver, nice truck, great in snow. I've always enjoyed it, um, had, had a lot of fun with it. Um, and, um, you know, with everything that happened in my personal life and, you know, having signed my divorce papers, my new lease papers, and my acquisition papers uh, for Rogue to be sold uh, to SIA all on the same day. I never really got myself anything. I never really, I didn't really, like, I didn't throw, not to throw a party or whatever, but I didn't really celebrate at all. And, you know, I kind of been looking for, like, you know, now that I'm kind of through a lot of that and life is kind of getting into a new flow and, and feeling better and feeling healthy and, and feeling, you know, very a lot more energy and, and good and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I was looking for something and I didn't really know what I was looking for, but I, I lately have been looking for something. And about a month and a half ago, um, I got a call from the dealership that sold me my F-150. And the woman called and said, hey, you know, my name's, I can't remember, we'll call Sarah maybe. Uh, my name's Sarah and uh, did you, you bought an F-1, a 2016 F-150 from us three years ago? And I said, I did, yeah. And she said, do you still have it? And I said, yes, I do. And she said, how many miles do you, do you think it has? And I think it had like at the time like 78,000 or whatever. And she's like, well, would you be interested in coming in and letting us give you a trade-in value for it? Because we can't find enough used trucks and you know we're looking for used trucks. And I don't know, I, I had an hour in the afternoon free. So I said, sure, I said, I'll come over right now because I, I got a little time and whatever between now and my next call. So you know, I just needed a break. So I drove over there and um, they threw what I believed for a fairly beat up 20 F-150, 2016 F-150, um, a fairly ridiculous number at me. They threw, they threw a number at me, uh, $22,000 for that truck. And I was like, it like opened my eyes to, holy crap, like this truck has some value. It's falling apart. If they're going to give me that kind of money for it, like I need to make a move now. So I started working with the salespeople at the dealership. And what I realized very, very quickly was that they weren't particularly interested in what I wanted and really were trying to sell me something, right? Like they had a specific set of inventory, call it 30 to 50 vehicles, and that's what they wanted to get me in, right? They tried to get me in. Uh, first, they wanted to just get me in another Ford F-150, which I wasn't against. Um, there was this big, like, I don't know what Dodge Rams Denali you know, version is or whatever, but like the Denali version, the GMC Denali version of a, of a, of a Ram, which I thought was a really cool truck. Um, I didn't love the color white, but, uh, but you know, that's what it was. And I liked that. And then, you know, I've always wanted, um, a Jeep, uh, a Wrangler and, uh, and, and my buddy Matt Namoli has uh, a Rubicon and, um, uh, my, my boss, Matt Massiello has a Rubicon and I've, you know, hung out with them and seen their trucks and some of the things they've done with their Jeeps and, you know, I've always kind of wanted that. And then, you know, hanging out with those guys a lot recently, I've, I've just, you know, I've been like, ah, it's really got the bug in me. And, and at this Ford dealership, they had a, the new Ford Bronco and they were trying to get me in this thing. And it had this weak ass I-4 engine in it. And I hated that. And, you know, I'm sitting there and, and the guy's talking me through it. And like, there were parts of it that I liked, right? There were parts of this thing that were cool. And, and then, but the, I didn't like the engine and I'm going, you know, I, I don't love the I-4 because there's just, you know, it's kind of like, 
you hit the gas pedal and you you feel like you're you know it's being propelled by like a by like a wet fart right there's just nothing to it um you're just like you know i just i want a little punch you know if you're gonna get something like that you want a little punch to it you don't want to like be, feel like you're just kind of like dragging along so i'm 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 like you know what's with this i4 engine and obviously i knew a little bit about it so i was but i was i always play dumb with these guys because they you know, whatever you get, I feel like you get more done when you act like a dummy than when you do like you act like you know what you're doing. So I'm kind of like country dumb in this guy, which I learned from all my friends down in Alabama and Mississippi and Louisiana who always try to play country dumb on me because I'm from the north. Um, even though I know none of them are dumb. So you know, I'm doing that with this guy, and and he's going, no, the i4 is a great engine. It's a great engine. You know, you're gonna love this engine. And uh, you know, he's telling me all this stuff, and I'm just I'm looking at this guy going. He's not listening to me. He wants, he just wants me to get into this. He just wants to get me into this thing. Um, He's got limited inventory. Instead of trying to work with me to figure out exactly what I want, he just wants to sell me what he has access to. And, and he's not really listening to the way that I want to do business, you know? And and I kind of started to get like, you know, guys, I really appreciate the trade-in and I'm interested in the trade-in, but like, I don't really love anything that you have here right now. And no, no, this, what about this Bronco? And it's going to go fast. And, you know, and I'm like, ah, and it was like this fire engine red, which if it were like a big truck, the fire engine red would have looked cool to me. But on the Bronco, I I thought it looked like a, like something like a teenager would get. It just didn't look, I don't know. It's not what I wanted. So he's trying to force me into this thing. And uh, I go, well, hey man, can you just give me like five minutes? Cause I just want to like text a couple friends and see what they think. Right. And really I'm just stalling, but you know, I did want him to just get the hell away from me for a minute so he says oh yeah yeah no problem sure as shit no more than and i set a timer no more than 90 seconds it was like 97 seconds or whatever this guy comes back and now he's futzing around some paperwork on his desk and he's going yeah you need some more time and i'm like i fucking told you five minutes and here we are a minute and a half later and like you can't get away now i know that you're desperate right now i can smell it i can smell that desperation coming through complete turn off and i basically just said dude i need i need time i need to think about it overnight you know i gave him like the classic brush off he goes well i know what that means and i said yeah i said i don't want to tell you i'm not buying the car right now like you can whatever i'm gonna stand up and i'm gonna leave we can either kind of have a good you know whatever and maybe i reach back out to you or you can kind of give me crap you know i don't you know you you have to make that decision but like i'm leaving and he's like, well, no, it's not like that. It's all good. Just text me tomorrow what you think. And this car is going to go quick. And um, long story short, that Bronco was on the lot for at least two more weeks, as much as he's telling me like any minute someone could walk in and buy it. Two, you know, I got to drive by. I actually have to drive by the dealership to get to my gym. So like I saw it I saw it there for at least two more weeks and I stopped looking. But while I um, – so, so all that happens, I get home. And, um, you know, I had seen – you know, I see Carvana license plates around town. And I, um, so I, so I, you know, I just went online and started checking it out and I'm looking at these cars and they have 37,000 cars and they're all over the country and you have this massive inventory. I mean, you can basically sort and fix and figure out exactly what you want. And sure enough, I find a black with red highlight trim, um, our Jeep Rubicon 2019, 14,000 miles, um, it's got all the tricked out features, which I was kind of looking for, you know, I, you know, I'm a single guy now. So I kind of, you know, wanted a, something cool. I wanted something fun. I wanted something that I could get in and, and have some fun with and put the top down and bomb around, which I've loved doing like in the, it's all fall. I've had the top down and anytime it's a nice day out and having tons of fun, my kids love it. And, um, 
you know, that's, that's, that's what I wanted. So, so I looked at it and the price was, you know, I did a bunch of research. The price was right on point, looked great, passed all the inspection stuff. And they gave me like, I think like 20,500 for the trading. So it was like $1,500 difference, which versus the convenience of getting exactly what I wanted on my own terms to, to, to this, to the, the in-person experience of kind of being forced into something that I didn't really like, but it's what they had, the experience was way better, right? So so I kind of, so I start looking into the process and I'm like, geez, they freaking dropped the car off right at my house. I don't have to deal with the dealership. I don't have to deal with some freaking sales guy who's up my butt about this and that and this feature and you want this warranty and all this nonsense that just, you know, it's just car buying is a terrible experience. And um, the Carvana experience was much better. Now, it's not all roses, right? Nothing is, nothing's perfect. This isn't like a, a I'm not, this is an analogy or metaphor or whatever um, to me like saying that independent insurance agents and blah, blah, blah. That's, that's not exactly what I'm saying. There, there's a little bit of that in there and I'll get to that in a second. What's up guys? Quick break here. Wanna give a shout out to Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Are you a local insurance agent struggling to find markets for your clients? Look no further than Nationwide Brokerage Solutions with over 200 carriers. Their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. That's your need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With MBS, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business. Sorry, sometimes when you're reading these things, the way the words are written don't sound as good as they probably look. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information, go to Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Visit nbsbrokerage.com. On the reels, guys, Rogue Risk uses Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. We've been very, very happy with them. Hanley, out. But, um, you know, so we get into the process and some of the parts are super easy. It's like, bam, financing, right in line with what I get at a local bank, finance through you know Carvana's thing, that's easy. Take pictures of the truck, validate the trade-in, that's nice. Bam, bam, upload a bunch of documents, that's all great. Um, you know, But then there were two hiccups. One was in verifying, um, I had to verify whether or not I was transferring my plates or... Uh, replacing, um, and I had to figure out, uh, and the lien. So I had the lien, um, or I, I had paid off the loan on the truck. So so I the, the my former truck, my F-150, I had completely paid that off. So I didn't have any payments on the truck. But I had the title, but I didn't have the lien release. Most likely my ex-wife has it, uh, which is fine. I just didn't want to bother her. Um, so I go and get uh, so I just went to the bank. It takes two seconds. You drive over to the bank. Hey, can I get my loan release? No problem, Mr. Hanley. Boop, boop, boop. They hand me a document. I come back. I uh, I scan it. I send it in. We don't accept this. And I'm like, well, you know, and again, I'm talking. Everything is done. I haven't talked to a human on the phone. Everything is via the text message. They have a cool text message feature, actually, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, and then there was like web chat and email, and I'm going back and forth with all these people. And I'm starting to get frustrated because there's no other version of the lien release at my bank. It's like, they're not... I'm like, I, there's nothing else for me to show you. Like, this is what it is. I don't know. I could go back 20 times. This is the way that it comes. And, you know, I'm going back and forth. And finally, I'm like, can someone call me? Like, how do I get a hold of somebody? So so I'm starting to get frustrated. Finally, I get a human on the phone. That human kind of gives me the party line at first. And I'm just like, 
and I, I can't remember what her name was. Um, she wasn't, she was being pleasant and she was doing, you know, she was doing her job. It just, you know, I'm like, ah, and I just said, finally, I said, I'm, I'm getting very frustrated. I don't understand how to move forward here. There was no, like, this is the way this bank, now granted, it's a local, the, the bank that I was, that I used to have, um, was this local, uh, like credit union or whatever. Um, unfortunately with interest rates being what they are, like the credit unions, like there's no real advantage to being there anymore. Um, but you know, so, so I was like, this is what it is. Like, I, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Like you're saying this doesn't, it says right here, I've paid the truck off, all this kind of stuff, going back and forth with her. And, um, finally she says, you know what, Mr. Hanley, um, you know, I, I, let me, let me look at this, you know, give me a day, I'll call you back. So whatever, a little bit frustrated, maybe a little more than frustrated because like every day that this went on, it's pushing my delivery date back. So uh, for the, for the truck, because the truck had to come from like it, someplace in the Midwest or like Southwest or something. It wasn't like it was right here in Albany. And uh, so she gets she calls me back the next day, and then there's back and forth with like she called me and I missed it, blah blah. So finally, I get her on the phone, and she goes, "Look, I understand the problem. I've checked it out. I've talked to our manager. You're all set. Your delivery date is here. Thank you very much." So, and and then I I went from, I went from being like, this is really frustrating. I'm feeling like maybe I made a mistake working with these guys because I'm feeling I'm not getting stuff done. I'm not getting the answers I need. Um, The self-service functionality had kind of run its course, like escalating it up to a human was a little bit of a pain in the butt. Um, I, I was starting to get very frustrated. And then, and then when I got, finally got a human involved and I could tell that, you know, not that she cared about me personally, but she definitely cared about the outcome. I could tell by the tone of her voice and the way she approached me that she did care about the outcome of this situation. Like she she didn't want me to be frustrated. I could tell by the way she was trying to figure things out and the way she spoke to me. And when she finally gave me the answer, I mean, again, I liked that the answer was actually what it was, you know, what it was. I'm glad she didn't say no. Maybe my feelings are different if she'd just come back and said, I don't know what to tell you, we won't accept it. Um, you know, she got it approved and everything was good. I was like, this is great. And, you know, uh, I had one then, you know, one little hiccup where they told me it was going to be this date and then the delivery date got pushed back and it got pushed a week, which was frustrating because I kind of set my day up in order to receive the car. But um, but also we have a labor shortage because, well, for all the reasons that I won't get into, um, um, that I believe we have a labor shortage and they just don't have enough drivers, blah, blah, blah. So, okay. So day gets pushed back. We get to the delivery date for the vehicle, okay? So guy texts me, hey, it's looking like 3 p.m., great. Uh, hey, I'm 15 minutes out at 2.45. He texts me, great. Hey, I'm here, awesome. I walk downstairs. It's on a Carvana truck. I don't know if you've ever bought cars from Carvana, but literally they pull up in a flatbed. He takes the Jeep off, hands me the keys, says, hey, take it for a spin. I bomb around. He takes my truck, pulls it up onto the bed of the truck. I come back around. He says, how was it? I said, great, love it. He goes, awesome. I signed two pieces of paper in person. He takes my truck away. I now have this awesome, you know, new to me, but still at 14,000 miles, like basically brand new, um, you know, six-speed manual transmission, black Jeep Rubicon, tricked out, like feel like a pimp when I drive it, um, which is, you know, I've drove trucks for so long. It's kind of different being in a Jeep and everything, but I, I really enjoying it. And, um, and it was like, oh my God, why would I ever go to a fucking dealership again? Like, why would I ever do that? I got exactly what I wanted. 
was there a little bit of time? Yeah, but I think I think could Carvana set expectations a little better? I think they definitely could set expectations a little better. I think they can make the process of getting from the self-service text message kind of automated uh, processes and kind of text-based processes to a human faster when when a situation needs to be escalated. But I'll never go to a car dealership again. Maybe if I'm buying some like a super sports car or something someday, which I kind of have this bug in me that I kind of someday, not today, would love like a certain sports car. But but that's a, that's down the road. That's like play down the road 10, 10, 15 years from now. But like, well, like if I need to get my next vehicle after this Jeep or whatever, or if I want another vehicle, like I'm going to buy it through a service like Carvana. I got exactly what I wanted. Exactly what I wanted. Now, let's just spin this real quick over to the independent insurance industry, right? Because I'm, I'm going a little bit longer here with this story. This, to me, was complete validation in the human-optimized model for the agency of the future, right? It, it, if your traditional, local, independent agency still dictates the way business will be done, I don't believe that you have a future in the industry. Now, you can maintain for sure, but you're not growing, right? Because to me, I, I don't care about lifestyle agents. I don't care. I think lifestyle agents are amazing, but I don't even consider them when I think about the future of the industry. A lifestyle agent has earned the right to do whatever the F they want to maintain their business so that they can live the lifestyle that they've built. And they have every right to do that. And I applaud them and I think it's wonderful And if I had built a traditional agency over the last 20 or 30 years and was in a place today where I was in my late 50s, early 60s, and I was looking kind of at retiring or selling or or whatever, would I want to implement massive growth solutions and take on new technology? No, I would not want to do that. I would do exactly what, you know, 60-ish percent of the industry is doing, which is what we've always done with minimal changes and hold on and wait for someone to come in and offer to buy me that I can actually feel like I can tolerate. That's exactly what I would do. But for the growth-focused agencies, for the growth-focused organizations that are looking at uh, our industry, that are looking at the future and thinking not just about what makes you successful today, but about where the puck is going, This concept of a human-optimized business, a business that does not rely on local, not that it can't be. Carvana has local shops that are local uh, dealerships that you can go and walk around and touch and feel and see the cars. They have that, but they also have this very robust online process that provides various layers of interaction escalating to a human as the customer so needs and desires. Do I think Carvana's experience is perfect? No, I do not. Do I think it's pretty freaking good? Yes, I do. And I believe we can replicate models like this in the independent insurance industry where we're, we're, we're allowing the customer to escalate to the human as they desire, not going right to the human because that's the most expensive way to go. It's also not what every customer wanted. I had that experience at the dealership with this desperate, he stunk of used car salesman desperation and all he wanted to do was shove me into this vehicle that I had basically told him I didn't want. And like, it became like a psychology experiment for me. I mean, being that I do this for a living and I've been in sales my entire life, like, like I could see it. I could feel it. I could taste it. I could smell it. It was dirty and disgusting and I hated it. And I hated 
that he wasn't listening to me when I said I didn't want that thing or that I didn't want to communicate with him in that way or when I explained to him how I wanted to communicate, how he made it about how what was best for him, about his timetable. It's not about him, it, was, or it wasn't about him and it's certainly not about you and it's not about me, it's about the customer. What do they want? And I feel like if we push them right to what we want, then we're, we're not doing them, we, we are not setting our business up for exponential growth. What we're doing is setting our business up to grow in a very in a sub-segment that is going to pigeonhole us, that's gonna handcuff us from true growth. So what does that look like from an independent insurance industry? No problem with local locations. I think you should have local locations at Rogue. Our long-term plan is to have Rogue locations owned in part with in, in partnership with our producer force throughout the entire country, right? Like, like I want Rogues all over the country owned in conjunction with our producer force, our producers that validate and earn the right to launch their own locations out into the space. And 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 that's a very important part of the model. But the but another incredibly important part, the human optimized part of the model is this is this step up process from self-service to automation to outsourced, you know, virtual assistants, VAs and outsourced workforce to finally an in an an an, an inside force of licensed professionals who care, who give a shit, who will take the time to solve problems, who will do the right thing by the customer. But that process must escalate because you're going from from least expensive to most expensive and let the customers decide where they need to go in that process. And if you find that customers are, are jumping certain parts or, or pushing right to your most expensive options, maybe there's a branding issue, maybe there's a, a marketing issue, maybe there's a technology issue, maybe there's a product issue. There are ways to solve those things. And I think all of it comes back to properly setting expectations through 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 internal comms, through marketing and prospecting comms, through through initial sales calls, through initial um, messaging after a lead form is filled. Properly setting expectations by 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 explaining the process, by allowing customers to choose their own adventure throughout your organization, you're able to create the most efficient and effective business. Pure efficiency isn't always the answer. I was just at ITC in Vegas, and while I thought it was probably one of the best insurance conferences I have ever been to, some of the biggest power players in the industry were there. I had never seen so many major influencers, not just from like a social media standpoint, but for like people doing real shit in the industry. I'd never seen so many in one place, bumping into each other, having amazing conversations. I also saw a lot of people that still believe that humans are not the answer. Humans are still an incredibly vital part of our business, still the most important part of our business. However, if we push all our customers directly to our humans always the way we want it to be done, we are limiting our ability to be efficient, we're limiting the margins we're able to create inside our business, and we're ultimately limiting our ability to grow. And I and 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 just as a as a kind of I guess fourth piece to that, I feel like it's not actually always what our customers actually want. I wanted to shop the thirty-seven thousand plus vehicles that Carvana had on my own without some sweaty, four-eyed, stinky, desperate freaking used car salesman over my shoulder trying to push me into something that I didn't want. Right? I wanted to be able to shop for what I wanted. 
And that's the experience that I wanted. And I think a lot of our customers in the insurance industry are slowly, I think that's where the puck is going. Let me put that a better way. I think that is where the puck is going, is this human optimized idea, this this idea that while efficiency is incredibly important, it is not the answer. And that by marrying those two ideas, the effectiveness of a human with the efficiency of technology and automation and self-service and marrying those two concepts and building a step-up process that allows our customers to choose their own adventure That is the agency of the future, my friends. That is where we need to be going if we truly care about growth. My lifestyle agency friends, God bless you. I love you. I'll slap you up forever and I think you're amazing. But this is not the advice for you. You do you. You do what you've always done. Don't spend money on these things. Don't. I wouldn't. Get more, get, put more business with the carriers that are going to pay you more money. That might be, that might be late stage of your business, moving to a model like like SIA, moving to an aggregator of some sort who's going to allow you to maximize your revenue and finding a way to do that. Or maybe it is uh, just selling, or maybe it is uh, looking at our carrier partnerships, uh, looking at your carrier partnerships and consolidating your book of business. Those are the things I'd be looking at if I were uh, a lifestyle agent. I'd be looking at maximizing the revenue I already have internally. But that's not the future of the industry. You are on the way out. God bless you. Thank you. I think that you've 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 paid your dues, and it's amazing. And and I'm very thankful for the work that our lifestyle agents in this industry have done. But I'm 40 years old. I got 20 more years in this industry at a minimum. 41 years old. So I got, I still got 40 more, 20 more years in the industry. But you know, so for me. I want to be. I want to focus on the growth agencies, the agencies that are gonna, that are gonna, that are gonna push their business to where the puck is going. And my friends, this is where I think the puck is going. I hope that this was valuable to you. I'm gonna save the blockbuster story because um, we've kind of run long, and um, uh, I just at this point I think it's it's unnecessary. So we'll save that for another episode. But uh, I hope this was valuable to you. Um, this is where I think the business is going. This is where I think our industry is going. I'm so bullish on the independent insurance industry. Um, I just feel like this move to a human optimized model is the best way. And um, and it's how we're building Rogue. I mean, look, I'm, I'm putting my money, I'm putting my legacy, I'm putting my reputation where my mouth is. This is what we're building every day. This isn't just theory, right? This is, this is what I do. And I share it with you on this podcast because I love you guys and I know that so many of you listening to this um, actually do take in some of this and you do take some pieces from the things that I share or say or the ideas and, and it does help your business and so many of you give it back and I'm uh, uh, so incredibly grateful from that and I learn from so many of you too as you you know find things and learn things and experience things and and by us sharing and communicating and, and working as a community, um, we all get better, we all have a lot more fun and... Um, and we can do awesome things. So I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, if if you are interested in joining Rogue, if one of those positions that I mentioned is something that that kind of lights you up a little bit, that you think you might be a good fit for, or you know someone who would be a good fit for one of those positions, love you to reach out. You can hit me up, DM me on any of the socials. You can always email me at ryan at roguerist.com. Um, don't tell anybody that email address, but it's ryan at roguerist.com is my email. You can always hit me up share a name or put your own name in. Love to talk to you if you're interested. Um, guys, we're, we're, we're growing fast and um, we're, we're, we're doing interesting things and I need, I need more people who, who can help make that happen. Um, we're starting to reach the point where you know I'm getting a little spread too thin and, and I need to focus on the things that I can add the most value and, 
and my other all the people in 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 this business need to focus on the things that that where where they where they add the most value where they're 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 responsible areas um we can't have people wearing 20 hats um it's just not it's just not how you grow a business um we're past that stage and that's why we're looking for more great team members to come in and, and do awesome stuff so if you think that's you reach out uh, as always, I love you for listening to this show. I appreciate you for listening to this show. Um, you can always get at me. And uh, if you liked it, share it with a friend. That's the best way to support this show, to support what we do here, to support these ideas is just share the show with a friend. Tell somebody, share it on social, text. If you got a Facebook group, share it in there or whatever. Um, you know, if you disagree and you hate these ideas, Share it even more and tell me all the re- reasons why I'm a, I'm a jerk and don't know what I talking uh, don't know what I talk about. That's um, uh, just as interesting to me as, as everyone who agrees. So I hope you guys absolutely crushed today. I'm out of here. Peace. Hey agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really, we're we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner, and I, you know how it is to to fix a problem. The first thing you got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.
drinks and smoke a joint, Bubbles? Yes. <laughs> Drinks and smoke a joint bubbles. <laughs>